Hello and welcome to the Bunkers of Film Raw, the place where we monsters of culture devour the latest news and releases from the world of film. I'm your host Ian Bolton and I'm joined as always by my cinematic partner in crime, it's Christian R. Allen. Eat my shorts. Oh, they are delightful. Mm. <laughs> How are you doing? Uh, as you can probably tell, I'm still on my epic Simpsons marathon. I'm on season four at the moment. Yep. I just watched Home of the Heretic. Very good episode. Ah, uh, yes, that one. <laughs> yes, yeah, but there's there's many. Season four is when it truly takes off. We, we've got yeah. um, Mr. Plow, Lisa's oh. first word, um, and the greatest episode of all time. Well, I, maybe in the top five, Marge versus the Monorail. Monorail. Monorail! <laughs> it's just the, the Leonard Nimoy cameo just gets me every single time. I, I still love the bit in, in that episode towards the end where he's going, I'm, my work here is done. Did you do anything? <laughs> Didn't, Didn't I? Didn't I? <laughs> he just beams out. <laughs> it, it's so oh. good. I mean, Leonard Nimoy not only had, he had two of the greatest cameos as himself in The Simpsons. The, oh, the, the, the X-Files in the X-Files one. Yes, which is another great. The X-Files one is great as well. Oh, it's, it's the, it's the um, I bring you love hole. Oh, oh, it's bringing love. Kill it! Kill it! <laughs> Kill it! <laughs> I love the fact we have a dedicated film review podcast and around about 12% of the content we've produced so far in the entire history of the show has been Simpsons quotes. Yes. Well, yeah. well, well, good Simpsons quotes. Remember, we're in the golden age of Simpsons talking about this. It's like when we get beyond season... Nine, 11, I think is the last 11, okay. 10. Basically everything post uh, The Principal and The Pauper. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's some, that, gold, there's some great episodes afterwards, like um, hmm. some of the late, uh, not immediately later, but there's um, uh, Homer Simpson versus The City of New York. Which oh, is, yeah. Which is, um, that was a year after that episode. Um, there's the um, Behind the Laughter, this sort of VH1 oh, parody yes. episode. Yes, that one. Um, I, I was just going to stop my marathon at season nine. Mm. Um, I think the last episode is the, the Garbage Truck one. Where oh, Homer yeah, Steve Martin and you too. Yes. Um, but I, I had to look on IMDb and I had to look at some sort of like individual episode reviews. And I, I've worked out there around about 15 to 20 episodes of The Simpsons, including the movie, worth mm. watching between yep. series 10 and 30. Okay. <laughs> so, so, basically once, so once you've reached the end of, once you've reached your, your, your finale of your classic Simpsons, you're going to go off and just hunt down, go through Disney Plus and just pick up those episodes. And see exactly. How they go. It, it averages about one good episode a season afterwards, which is an amazing, yeah. um, I, amazing diminished, a diminishment in quality. There's a really, there was a, there was an episode, one of the new episodes I did like was Homer sets up his own illegal film-watching club. Yeah. So basically Homer, Homer gets introduced to the world of downloading films. So he starts setting up, um, he starts setting up uh, like an outdoor cinema thing in the backyard of the Simpsons house. And he gets the ire of Judd Apatow and Clan. <laughs> so, you've got cameos, so you've got cameos from Judd Apatow, Seth Rogen and all that kind, kind of going, wait a minute, you're stealing our films. But I'm sharing the laughter. No, you're not. So that's <laughs> interesting. Was, that's interesting. That was, that's actually out of some of the new episodes. I actually found that one quite funny because mm. it's like it, it, it all it all kind of um, winds up with um, 
then making a movie of his exploits of being the illegal downloader over there. And it's like, uh, it's like they have crazy demands of who should play Homer. <laughs> but anyway, I, I won't, I won't, uh, I won't dip into that any further. It's basically, um, it, it was a good episode. It was, it was generally a good episode. But I mean, it, it, my biggest problem with Simpsons is like, um, from the end of the golden age, the golden age of the Simpsons is the fact that, um, the cameos, it, they feel so shoehorned in and it, it's almost that the, the, the um, extraneous reasons for bringing these celebrity, celebrities in undermines the stories. I mean, it's just, it's just that, I think the tipping point, the, the, the episode what, that killed the Simpsons for me wasn't the um, uh, principal and the pauper. It was actually the mm. Ricky Gervais episode. Oh, I was I was just about to bring up that one because I remember that one because basically didn't they let him write the episode as yes. well? Yes, well, I mean, which surprised me at the time. I realised um, obviously every episode of Simpsons is written by one or two people mm. on paper. Anyway. However, if you know anything yeah. about the Simpsons, it was a it was um, a writing room effort for the majority mm. of, the, of the gags. And unlike say Saturday Night Live, where it's quite, from what I understand, quite a harsh, <laughs> very um very competitive atmosphere. The Simpsons writers mm. during the golden age were encouraging each other to write the best jokes imaginable. And you can tell, yeah. you can tell there's a um, comedic camaraderie in the writing. Mm. Um, that episode is, cl- Ricky Gervais one is clearly just him. And I, I was very disappointed because I'm a big Ricky Gervais fan, despite all the, you know, the, the legitimate criticisms thrown at him in recent times. Because um, he turns up in Family Guy as a dolphin. Does he? Yeah. Family Guy's not really uh, Family Guy. I've, I've dipped my toes in those waters, and I, I, I find with Family Guy every joke that makes me laugh. And there are some brilliant jokes throughout that series. I'm bored for twenty minutes. Yeah, I think out out of the Seth MacFarlane animation trio, um, I think the strongest and the one that's kind of flourished a little bit, <clears throat> the one that's flourished a bit. Um, over the years has been American Dad. Yeah, I enjoyed American Dad. Because the thing is, American Dad is like, it's not relying on pop culture references. It's not relying on, it's not relying on flashback gags and stuff like that. It's basically, it's building humour from what's going on in society in that sort of sense. And I know that sounds a little bit weird, but basically, obviously with Family Guy, it's, a, it's always a flashback gag or cutaway. It's like, ah, oh, this reminds me of the time I decided to go tell Liam Neeson not to eat my cereal. Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, 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 flash. Well, those kind of side gags work really well in The Simpsons. I find in, in Family Guy they are a bit. Uh, I don't know. Just if you want to make a sketch show, make a sketch show. It's just, yeah. like, just don't. It feels like it's um, you know, having its yeah. cake and eating. I mean, it. I mean, I mean, again, with Family Guy, there were the earlier seasons. Again, there was a nice, there was a nice sort of balance between the two side of things. I, I will but, say, I will say in, in defense of Family Guy as well, the, the Stewie and Brian characters are fantastic. Mm. I, I do and, like the fact that Brian is clearly a parody of Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, yeah, and um, and the one one episode, if if the one big episode, if anyone's able to see it as well, which I really liked, was their kind of homage to Agatha Christie and Clue. Um, it's like, and then there were fewer. So basically, yeah. they gather they gather most of the main kind of the main cast and supporting characters for this sort of uh, getaway at James Woods's uh, luxury retreat manor. Um, but in good murder mystery fashion, people start dying, <laughs> <laughs> and the good thing is they stay dead after this episode. Oh, really? Yeah, that's one good thing. I, that's one of the strong things I like about the McFarlane animations is if someone dies, they're dead. What about Brian? 
apart from the Brian situation, because <laughs> I remember that was a bit that, that was a bit silly. But but obviously with things like with Simpsons, is like they very rarely do. Um, they very rarely do uh, the movement of time, moving forward with time, or kind of like things just developing. It's like it's like for example, every every it's like most situations half the day, the Simpsons will get into some stupid thing that either makes their life better or that makes their life worse or whatever like that. But everything's returned to its status quo by the end of the by the end of the episode. Yeah, well, I mean, no, no, uh, no, no, no one's moved forward. No one, no one has learnt from it. No one has kind of built up character. It's kind of like, oh well, same shilly shenanigans next time. Well, it's, it's interesting with the Simpsons. The Simpsons is effectively a, a twisted parody of the stereotypical American sitcom. I mean, yeah. they, they, hope they are the nuclear family. Um, mm. sort of taken to the nth degree and, and the, one of the biggest problems with those sitcoms The Simpsons is, is parodying is that they mm. have a strange circular equilibrium like as, mm. as you identify they, they, they always reset so yeah. I, I, I don't mind The Simpsons doing that so much because it's kind of the or at least I didn't mind The Simpsons doing that so much because it was kind of part of the it was a um, sort of intrinsic element of the show that it was um, um, sort of uh, uh, sorry, the intrinsic element of those programs it was it was lampooning. Um, mm. It's become grating in the last twenty or so years. The fact that it's <laughs> it's now beyond a job. I mean, Homer has had a hundred different jobs. Yeah, um, Bart has completed the fourth grade about ten times now. I um, I, I randomly tuned into an episode uh, last night, and Lisa was getting into online poker tournaments to raise her college fund. <laughs> It's I mean, like, okay, well, well, she's clearly not going to have that money by the end of the episode. It's, it's really frustrating because um, one of the biggest, one of, one of my favourite episodes, a series of episodes in the early seasons of The Simpsons is when we go back and see how Homer and Marge got together. Yeah. Um, Lisa's first word, you know, Bart being born. Um, the best thing about these episodes is seeing Dr. Um, Dr. Hibbert's crazy hairstyles over the years. Yeah. It's like my favourite, my favourites when he's in Mr. T mode. But um, they've completely retconned those. There's now been recent episodes where they've gone back and almost remade yeah. them. And they've, they've, it's, it was a parody of Friends. And they've, yeah, there was an episode where they were in, where it became like, um, where they went back to the 90s. Yeah, because Homer, because uh, like, Homer moved to like richer side of Springfield to help. Um, with kindergarten and stuff like it, it's like yeah it's like those sort of it's like, I love the B Sharp episodes the B Sharp episode oh. from oh, it's, it's wonderful the- <laughs> it's basically you're now just retconning all of that with just constant going back and forth it's, and, and I think that's the thing that's done damage to Simpsons in the long term and again just going back to just going back to the McFarlane animation it's like the family guys like yes sometimes most of the episodes are the same kind of plot of of something silly going on but there's always cutaway games going on hmm. but the fact is there are moments where developments do kind of happen. There's a great, ep- there was an episode, it's part of the, um, it was part of like a crossover event where basically all of, all three uh, animations, uh, Family Guy, American Dad and Cleveland Show all got sort of caught up in a hurricane sort of uh, environment. And basically there's a great episode where they, where we kind of get to, Meg finally snaps after everyone is always told her to shut up Meg or treat Meg like crap she finally snaps and kind of gives each of them a piece of her own mind, which mm. is really, really great. Again, the status quo does kind of result, go back to normal, but it's like, there are moments, that the great thing about this is like, I'll say the great, the, not the great thing, but the, the, the interesting thing about Family Guy is it allows itself to do that at times. And I think that's why sometimes I would still kind of prefer to watch 
newer episodes of Family Guy today than Simpsons. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. I mean, yeah, I, that's the reason for my cutoff. And I mean, it, it, is, a, it is a sharp decline in quality. Yeah. Um, something I didn't appreciate as when I was younger because I was so um, such a big fan of The Simpsons. I kind of, you ever do this thing when a program you love starts becoming quite bad and it takes yeah. you a little bit longer to appreciate how bad it's becoming than, than say, the average yeah. viewer, just because you're so emotionally invested in this particular product. I've had a similar yeah. problem with Doctor Who over the last couple of years. I, I've I've only just started to appreciate how much I dislike the show since Chris Chanel has um, taken over and the direction he's gone in. Um, um, it's similar with um, Star Trek Discovery. I, I, I didn't quite appreciate until halfway, the beginning, towards, I think, the beginning of season two, it just sort of clicked. Hmm. The last 10 hours of television I watched are dedicated to this. I didn't actually enjoy, but I thought I was. Um, hmm. Yeah, Simpsons, it took me a good three years to realise I was not enjoying it anymore. And, and my, my sign my sign of uh, realising whether or not I've, I've lost interest is I've just stopped watching it. And I just suddenly realised, mm. oh, I'm not watching this anymore, even though The Simpsons I would literally watch every day. Mm. I watched The Simpsons every day for on about 10 years. I think I was kind <laughs> of the same. I think I was kind of the same with... 24 but not necessarily in a way that i wasn't enjoying it it was just i was finding it hard to keep up with because when i was younger i was all i was all for watching blocks of 24 in a go hmm. um even when the dvd box sets came out it's like me and friends just tried to watch the entire series within 24 hours just to kind of have that 24 <laughs> hour feel to it um sometimes it was a great season sometimes there are odd moments in seasons there's a nice there's a good sort of i think season four season five is kind of like a good sort of relentless pace one because they keep they always focus on like one main storyline but there's always little subplots the way is with previous 24 series is act one which is like the first third of the day there's one plot and then a second baddie turns up for the second arc and then a final uber baddie turns up for the third arc and you had that you had that with um the first season of 20 no you had it with the second season of 24 as well because basically you had someone trying to sell for a nuclear bomb by the end of the first act, the nuclear bomb's been dealt with, but there's a slight fallout. And then all of a sudden, you discover that evil corporations are trying to set a war off. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go and have a massive shootout in a, in a stadium. I, anyway. <laughs> I feel like I, I, I missed 24. I, I didn't have Sky when the original series came out. And I, I feel like it's it, you kind of had to be there to enjoy the first series. It, it, well, it was the uh, first two seasons were on BBC Two. Oh, were they? And, and, they, and they always had their sort of BBC Two follow-up show after the episode, so you can always kind of get involved and discuss what's happened in the in the last hour of 24 gosh i know, um, I have no idea why i missed it then it, it it was it was quite a phenomenon back it was it's like 2004 2005 and two thousand. i think it was 2000 around 2000 2001 i think was it that, was around that old 24 yeah oh gosh yeah but um no i i, I did i did try to watch it later on and i'd seen clips of the later series and i, I realized that clearly the problem with 24 is that it had to escalate every series. And I saw some of the last series and compared it to the first season. Oh, the Ingl- the, the one based in London. I, I, like I just saw nuclear bombs. It was like the end of Terminator 3. And it's I was like, like yeah, what is this? <laughs> it's always a nuclear bomb. In the, in, it's like, yeah, a nuclear, I think a, a bomb goes off in like in, in season, at the start of season six. It's like, okay. <laughs> and, Jack ba- and Jack Bauer, Kiefer Sutherland, Jack Bauer ends up going up against his brother and his dad. His, uh, which, which frustratingly, his dad is not played by by Donald Sutherland. It's played by James Cromwell from Babe. <laughs> speaking, speaking of which, and to bring us back to films, I watched The yes. Queen yesterday for oh, the first yes, time in about fifteen which years. Which also and, stars James Cromwell as Prince Philip. Yeah, he, he does a very good job of being. 
how can we put it? Believable Prince Philip. I'm going to take the boys hunting. Okay. It's so <laughs> strange how I, I could see um, my I, my fiance had never seen the film before, and you could see how she found the royal family's reaction to this ongoing mass grief really infuriating because it's i remember at the time back in 1997 it was pretty obvious <laughs> um mm. just how how devastated the world was for that and i was only nine at the I think, time i think i remember signing a book of remembrance oh did you library. yeah yeah and what was it uh, when when to die uh 97 Past week ninety seven, so yeah, because oh, I remember the day that happened. It's like yeah. this guy just basically in between every every break or something. Like, I think we were watching things like Simpsons on Sky One again on satellite TV, but in between every break, it would just be this this image of die with um just with um obviously yeah yeah she's born yeah she's died and it's kind of like continuous coverage on Sky News and they just play the somber music. There's no ad- there was no adverts at all. It was just this for like four minutes and then you go back to your show it was it was it was surreal because I, I mean I, I was too young to understand you know the love and affection the great british public had for princess diana mm. but it, it was obvious I, I woke up early and and, and just flicked on gmtv at six o'clock in the morning and i was like within minutes i was like oh um i, I think oddly enough the only other event that was similar in my uh, upbringing was um 9-11 in yeah. terms of the um just the sort of like what you know watching the unfolding mood change mm. um <laughs> obviously 911 had more um had more of an impact globally but um in terms of yeah. yeah it was um it was a very strange day and um the queen captured that it was it was strange i was i, I hadn't hadn't felt i don't think nostalgia is the right word but reminiscing i hadn't reminisced mm. on that moment for 20 years um, and so watching this film, yeah, if, if I felt very much back in the moment. It was very strange also to remember how much I loved Tony Blair. Uh, Michael, Michael, Michael Sheen does a good job as Tony Blair. He's phenomenal. I mean, this is technically, I mean, it's a loose trilogy of Tony Blair movies. Um, mm. but the, and I do recommend the first one, The Deal, which is more about the... Um, the inf- oh yeah, him and Gordon Brown. Yes. So um, Gordon Brown, who's played by David Morrissey in the original. Um, and he's fantastic as Gordon Brown. You kind of forget you're watching actors because he, he's just got mm. the voice and mannerisms. And so, and so does Sheen spot on um the the um the the deal obviously deal deals with um the alleged uh, gentleman's agreement between tony blair and gordon brown that mm. um gordon brown will step aside and allow tony blair to be unchallenged for the leadership of the labor party in i believe 1994 95 after the yeah. death of john smith and um it's yeah it was first i remember when the deal came out um uh, the Blair administration had never publicly acknowledged this deal, and then within mm. <laughs> the next day, in all the papers, there was the um, Tony Blair basically denying that any, any such deal happened, which leads me mm. to suspect that it definitely did. But um, yeah, if, if you do get a chance, if you're interested in sort of like um, political um, shenanigans, I do recommend the deal. And the Queen is very good as well. Helen Mirren, in particular, her, she deservedly won the Best Actress. Oscar she, that year. Re- she reprised the role for the stage play The Audience, which was basically, it was, I think, again, it was also written by uh, Peter Morgan. Yes, it was. Who, yes. And um, basically, it's uh, conversations with very, various different prime ministers over the years. Um, and it was such a big hit at uh, the National Theatre that they uh, did it as National Theatre Live, obviously for cinemas. And then there was, there was a good period, period of time. Uh, I remember when I was working in the independent cinemas, um, that they were, they were, just playing this all day in one screen 
So basically, it was like it was like it was less than a two-hour performance, but and it had no intermission. So basically, it was kind of like, yeah, we'll just show it like a normal film. It's rated twelve A. Come watch the stage show, and it's. It, I didn't get a chance to see it, and I wouldn't be surprised if it turns up on the National Theatre online um, performances soon, hmm. um, because and there are some great performances on there are some great performances on the National Theatre stuff. So if you've been able to even watch one of them over the many weeks, obviously since lockdowns begun and all that sort of stuff. Um, there are some really good ones. Uh, my favourite's still Danny Boyle's Frankenstein. We had Johnny Miller and oh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, we should see that. Kind of uh, changing roles and stuff like that. It 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 was it was quite visceral. My um, anyway, my, especially my, for theatre. <laughs> my favourite story about the audience. I don't know if you heard this at the time, but um, um, during one of the productions, uh, productions performances. That's the word. Mm-hmm. During one of the performances, um, um, there was a strange banging noise. And it was um, a, a kind of stomp-esque group outside the theatre performing. And, oh, and you know about this. I think I, I yeah. vaguely remember this. She went out dressed as the Queen to tell them off. Yeah, she, she stormed out during the production, <laughs> just in character and screamed at them. I mean, I, I don't know, I'd be more terrified if it was the Queen or Helen Mirren dressed as the Queen. I think, I think. What, if, what, what if it was Helen Mirren Fast and Furious version? <laughs> it's the crossover we all want. The Queen and Fast and Furious I would, queen and I, Queen and Furious. I wouldn't be surprised if the twist was that she actually is the Queen in Fast and Furious. And it's like I'm the real edge of the throne, <laughs> Idris Elba. We forgive. Um, we forgive Shaw. Is it Shaw? Is is it Hobbs or Shaw? Yeah, Shaw. De- Shaw Decker Shaw. Yeah. The, the proclamation, a royal proclamation, is why everyone forgives Shaw for murdering the hero in like was it four or five? Um, well, no, I think they're retconning that in nine. <laughs> So is the it, guy it, he murders back. Is it all going timey-wimey? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's just like, what can we do? That, um, we'll get on to the reviews in a second, but um, anyone out there wanting to uh, to watch or uh, go through or try and understand what on earth production meetings for some of these these films, even Fast and Furious, even silly sequels like Jurassic Park 3 and all that sort of stuff, uh, go to Screen Rant's YouTube channel and check out a mini-series they call, called Pitch Meeting. Uh, I don't know the guy who plays it, but he plays both roles. He plays one as the studio exec and one as the writer. And basically they have a back and forth conversation about what happens in the film. And they keep pulling up things that are not making sense. It's like, it's kind of like, well, that seems awfully inconvenient. How are they going to get out of that? Well, it's super easy. It's going to be barely an inconvenience. They just do this. Ah, and they, I was watching one about Fast Five the other day, and it's kind of like, and then this big, this big police guy played by Dwayne Johnson turns up and starts and starts commandeering the Brazilian police. It's like, well, how can he do that? Because he's got big muscles. I see. Carry on. <laughs> I mean, obviously this is a parody, but it sounds very plausible to me. I mean, I think so. I think some of it is quite pl- very. Plausible. I think they had one they, when they did one for Casino Royale. They have they go to like the English office where they've actually got English actors playing the the roles, and it's just kind of like, who could we send over to be the next Bond? Well, we could go with Daniel Craig. Is that a bit weird? No, no, people don't know him. It will be fine. People aren't going to be worried that he's blonde. No, not at all. <laughs> but yeah, um, if, you, if you have a chance, uh, check it out on YouTube through Screen Rant. Uh, pitch meet, pitch pitch meeting. It'd be fascinating. There's, I, there's, I, there's tons of there's tons of them. I um the one I do like the most is the John Wick one because they kind of go through they go through the initial setup of how John Wick happens and they just go and yeah they steal his car and they kill his dog and the studio exec just goes silent for like thirty seconds and goes they all need to die. <laughs> <laughs> 
They do horribly. I mean, if you haven't, if anyone listening hasn't actually watched John Wick Chapter One, spoiler alert: you've just had the whole film ruined. But at the same time, I hope you're encouraged to watch John Wick immediately because that's all you needed to know. Because it's one of the, it's one of the, that, the best that, action series of the of the modern cinema era. Oh, I agree. I mean, I, I think it, it kicks everything else's ass. To be honest, um, mm. the only reason I watched part one, I literally just had someone. It might have been you or a few other people because I remember there was there was sort of uh, word of mouth. Me, it might have been me and, our, and, a, and a mutual friend of ours, uh, Mr. Keith Copping, because we we both went and saw it as a as a cinema mandate. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, I, I know Keith. That's the, you two together is the unmanliest thing I've ever heard in my life. But um, the, uh, sorry to emasculate you there. Uh, uh, no, I, I literally just—I was just told. So Keanu Reeves is in it. Cool. It's an action movie. Brilliant. They kill his dog. What? That was it. <laughs> Sold. I'm, I'm emotionally invested. It was a nice bonus, a nice uh, cheeky surprise when Alfie Allen turned up. I put on yeah. a fairly convincing Russian accent, as far as I'm concerned. And then got his just desserts for being such an ass in the film. Well, I just, I just assumed it was Fionn Greyjoy. So I mean, uh, I, I still love, still love the reaction of it's like whose card did he steal? John Wick's. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes that's all you need. It's all the audience needs. So you know, just just small little bits of exposition it's, it's like, dropped out there. Like, but it's like how they kind of really ramp up the sort of no, he's a big deal it's like i've seen john wick kill someone with a pencil in pencil <laughs> <laughs> i do say the wonderful thing about the john wick movies is is just thinking to yourself especially when you go into part two and then part three is how inventive yeah. are the murders going to be today <laughs> like the, you will be murdered today by horse <laughs> the ho- the, i mean the moment they walked in the stable i say walked <laughs> fell into the stable i turned to midge and we just looked at each other and went yep it's happening and then they Nay, in the Nay. face. <laughs> my my favourite sequence in all the films, and and, and, and before I go, the, the, what I love about the John Wick movies in particular is that the, the non-action sequences are just as compelling and, mm. and, and quite visually arresting as the action sequences. But I loved the knife fight because I've never seen oh, a knife fight yeah, that was knife. both <laughs> both absurd and somehow hyper realistic at the same time. Now, if you like. Now, if you do like your knife fight and you like a little bit of insanity, there's a great uh, there is a great Chow Young Fat film called Tiger on the Beat, which the finale features dueling chainsaws. What? Yep, yep. Two two people, each with a chainsaw, going at it. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I'm sold. That sounds amazing. Sold. Well, no, one of my one of my favourite non action scenes in John Wick uh, Chapter Two is is when he's in Italy and he meets mm. Peter Senefinovich. In the in the armory, yes, and he's going. I'm going out for dinner. What would you suggest? Well, for starters, you can have these weapons, and the main course. Ah, but of course, the big machine rifle. <laughs> I can't remember. What, but it's it's the it's the last bit. Where he just goes. Oh, what about dessert? And and Senefinovich's face just goes. Ah, oh, dessert. Is that? It's like it's like he's just it's like he's just enjoying the silk ridden violence that's about to happen it, 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 it's wonderful you can tell everyone in that film is thoroughly Pleased glad to be, to be there, there. <laughs> i mean like, I, I mean I'm, I'm with keanu reeves i hope they keep making these films forever no yeah oh there is a police siren this is becoming a recurring theme of a police siren in the are background you, are you are you sure you're not doing anything silly i no. am actually hanging out with people and we're within two meters of one another so 
Yeah, I deserve to be locked away. Let's draw opening banter to a close. I, like I said, I enjoy the I enjoy these little mini discussions that just flow naturally. I kind of forget we're recording this. It's just nice to talk yeah. to another human being. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Ah. Right. Let's dive into anime with uh, a brand new anime film. Uh, the uh, the gem in uh, screen anime's launch uh, last week. It's Promare. Here's a clip. The Burnish suddenly appeared 30 years ago. But now, the Burnish threat is finally being driven out. Burning Rescue! Dispatch! It's full of Burnish flares in here! I can't get in closer! Get Gollum up here! It sets my firefighter's soul ablaze! So, um, to basically lightly touch on what Pro Bear is about, um, just to just to give you the general crux of it, uh, it's set in the future, where after a strange event has started uh, making people uh, emit flames and they become known as the Burnish, uh, society has kind of kind of tried to protect themselves from these flaming people in a futuristic city, and they have a firefighting mecha service to create. To protect the world, so the uh, the story uh, follows the the plight of this firefighting service as they are taking on uh, supposed terrorists that are being uh, led by the the Burnish people. Uh, it's probably not the best <laughs> best synopsis I can give for this film, but it's it, better than I would be able to do. <laughs> but, but, but but you you get the main crux of it within like the first five minutes and. Um, so this is from Studio Trigger. This is an anime film. Um, this is uh, Studio Trigger, best known for things like Kill the Kill. Um, and also some of the creative talent involved are also uh, responsible for shows like Gurren Lagann. Um, so this, we, we, do, uh, we were talking just before we went, we started recording. We both have very conflicting views on this film. <laughs> So I'm yeah, not sure, I'm not sure who we should go who should go first on this. <laughs> I, I mean, I can, I can get the ball rolling. I mean, I I, I didn't take to this at all. I I thought the um, I, five minute five minutes in, I just thought to myself, I'd prefer Fireman Sam to be honest. <laughs> it, it was like, have you ever? <laughs> are you okay? Are you broken? Oh my lord. <laughs> It just felt like a really over-the-top remake of Paw Patrol. Uh, it's just... I, I, I think one of my biggest problems, I couldn't get over the fact that they are firemen. And that, that's... It's just... It felt so juvenile to me. It okay. really did. All right. Um, it's, right, I'm, I'm going to... Oh, positives. I, I liked the premise. The opening premise was interesting, although I will admit... The first two minutes of animation were so stylistic, I wasn't sure if it was the film beginning or an ident for the production <laughs> company. And then the the prologue, yeah, it, it was an interesting, um, I can't describe it, world building, I guess. It, uh, it was a concept, yeah, it was yeah. an interesting concept. And then the film starts and my thoughts were... The animation is phenomenal. The animation it's, is absolutely phenomenal. It's bright, it, colourful, f- fluid. Abs- yes, absolutely. It looks great and it's really inventive. I, I love the use of uh, geometry, mm. um, the, the use of shapes all the way through, the sort of like the, the actual cityscape and oh, yeah. the mechas. I love the colours. I love the look of the characters. And you could de- it definitely has that kill the kill, given the Gan vibe about it. Oh, absolutely. It. Um, and then the characters started talking to each other, and I just thought it was the cheesiest 
most over-the-top, ridiculous nonsense I've ever watched in my life. And half an hour into the film, I was just so done with this movie. I, I found it I found it really painful. I, I think the story was just ridiculous. Really. I mean, I know, I know the story is meant to be over-the-top, mm. but it was just... I found it... There's over-the-top and then there's just not... Hmm. <laughs> I, I, as I'm saying this, I am aware that this film has a strong following. Um, I've, I've spoke to my sister earlier today and she was explaining how um, the fandom has is evolved. And it's to the point where people actually, the, the fandom seems to prefer the fan fiction that's been generated since the film came out. <laughs> Very much like the Harry Potter fandom of 10, 15 years ago. All right. And uh, I don't want people to hate me. Um yeah, I, I just, I, I guess my problems with the story, I just found it too, okay. too bizarre. And I, too, and I, I, I don't have a problem with over the top bizarre animes. I mean, like, I, I love um, something that's quite reminiscent to this. I love Redline, if anyone's seen that. Yeah. Um, Redline, is, is, Redline is Wacky Races on Crack. Yeah, yes, that's, <laughs> a perf- that's a perfect description of that film. And uh, until then, I was thinking Speed Racer was Wacky Races on Crack, the, the Wachowski Brothers version. <laughs> and then Redline came along and said, oh, well, got up the crack. <laughs> More crack, please. Oh, no. no um, don't do drug so, kids. Don't do, don't, yeah, don't do drugs. So, no, no, <laughs> thanks for clarifying that. Yeah, so. um, why did you like it, Ian? Um, I probably liked it for the reasons you hated it. <laughs> or do you you didn't enjoy it? I sometimes with, with films, I just like something so over the top, so fantastical and and so surreal that it just captures my attention. It, it just it just captures my attention and just kind of I just enjoy my time with it. It's like I I the story in itself, it's nothing to write home about. I'm with you on that the story. Um, the story for me is very is very um, what's the word? Cliched. Cliched and predictable. You can kind of tell how it's all going to turn out. I mean, especially you've got characters called Grey Foresight. <laughs> or or is, it Cray, is it Cray Foresight? Cray Foresight. And it's like, Foresight? Oh, is he a Foresight to be a bad guy? Oh. <laughs> not really a spoiler because it's revealed in the trailer. <laughs> it's, it's not a spoiler at all. It's, it's so obvious. I mean, like, yeah, it's... <laughs> you know, it's good, it's, you're it's, absolutely it's right. The mo- know. It's the moment. It's the moment. Oh, good old. Um, uh, it's not. Uh, yeah, it's the when Varys, Varys, our, our, our lead firefighting hero, her plucky, idiotic firefighter hero who loves to pose and do big speeches and all that sort of stuff. The more he says, he says, "I look up to that man. He is. He is my idol. He's the. He. I wouldn't be a firefighter if it wasn't for him." It's like, oh, your dreams are going to be crushed so hard, boy. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I'm, the thing is, I just, I just loved, I just loved the fan, the fantastical absurdity of it. It was like it's bright. It's like again, like you said, the animation is phenomenal in this film, and I really wish I saw this at the cinema. I really did because mm. it's like because I was kind of sat on the fence about Premise Land. It's like yeah, I kind of do like Girl Again, and I've dabbled in Kill the Kill, but not so much to the point that I really want to go out and see this. It's kind of like, well, yeah. but because obviously it's it's one of the big premieres of screen anime. Um, and Which, thought, can, we, can we talk about that? Because yeah. I actually, um, I mean, we, we have to we have to be honest. We've got friends who work for Anime Limited, so yeah, we, we kind of do. <laughs> but, um, but I'd be I, I would tell them to their face if I thought the service was rubbish, and I don't mm. think it is. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, 
Like, um, um, because it's basically, it's it's, it's a fest, it's, it's it's a virtual festival. Yeah, and and what the content that would be performed over a, a festival weekend is just stretched out online over a month and resets. Yeah. So they'll at change the end of the month, month, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, because uh, all the anime who are behind screen anime, they, they do an annual event, Scotland of Anime, um, where they take over Glasgow, they take over Edinburgh for weekends. Literally sh- the whole city. Yeah, and they, and they show, <laughs> they show the, the newest uh, anime films, uh, cult classics and stuff like this. And obviously things like COVID-19 has come along and kind of really put a wrench into things this year uh, because um, we know from speaking to our friends there, it becomes a real big focus of their of their activity over the tail end of summer, going into uh, October winter season, especially with things like London Film Festival and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I I think the idea behind this is, is superb. I think mm. it, it's great. It's kind of like it's a great way to to bring people into seeing new anime films, revisiting anime classics and stuff like that. Because you can watch the the wings of homicide at the moment. At the moment, uh, I've just I've just started watching Wolf's Rain yeah. for the first time. Again, I really I really liked it. It's like, like a, it's a 90, 90s anime, I think, or early two thousands. Well, yeah, definitely, definitely that period. Yeah, definitely that period. But the, uh, the, 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 the similar advantage of talking to my partner about this and like, have you ever done that thing where you've bought an expensive anime box set? And two episodes in, you realise you hate this. Mm. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, wow, I've just wasted seventy pounds. Oh no! It's like I, I, could, I could try to flog it in CEX or something like that because, because obviously, for most animes I've ever watched in the last twenty years, I've only been able, only be able to watch it through buying a DVD and HMV. Yeah. They're rarely screened on television. Yeah. Um, and but, unless you want to go down sort of like the torrenting route, which, you, which obviously you wouldn't no, want to recommend. Don't, don't because do that. Don't do that. Exactly. Um, um, you have to buy it. So the best thing about this service is I now know I'm going to go out and buy the Wolf's Rain Blu-ray set. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to buy Promar, but it sounds like I, you will. Uh, I've already ordered it. I've ordered there the latest edition with the Blu-ray and the soundtrack. Because again, I really like the soundtrack to this film. Songs are I really say, Yeah, the music was great. It's the like, music was great. It's kind of like, it does add an extra dimension to certain things. It's like, it's like, Occasionally, it was kind of spine tingling in a sense, but no, I sometimes I just love I sometimes I just love absurd absurd escapism films. It's like this the the best way I can describe Promare is this is a popcorn anime film. It's 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 not going to necessarily do anything new for the genre. It's not necessarily going to break down the walls of of animation hierarchy and all that sort of stuff but it is i think for the right anime fans it is a absolute all-round package i know i know i, I know there are, some people are definitely not going to take to promare obviously you are one obviously you've been one of them but i think for those that don't take to it there's always there's an audience around the corner that will take to this i uh, know i think you're right i mean I, I, like i said i'm i'm I feel like my criticisms are valid. I think there are there are genuine problems in this film. Um, however, I'm not going to tell people not to enjoy a film yeah. just because I didn't like it. And just going online and seeing that the sort of the, the fandom that's been that is um, sort of like taking um, a hold on this film mm. um, because I, I, I know Kill the Gill and Go and the Gan that they have a pretty um, hardcore fan base as well. Um, so um, it's a, it's Hiroyuki. Uh, Amishi is the director, isn't he? So, he is, yes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's uh, obviously he's got he's got standing um, mm. amongst anime aficionados. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I would recommend people watch this because I, I do think there will be people who love this film. There will be people who really do not take to this, and I, I'm clearly in that camp, um, which has surprised me because I, 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 I again, I, there are films like this which I have enjoyed, 
Mm. Um, I, I guess it's just I can't get over the fact that firefighters. It just it, it just feels too CBBC to me. It really does. I don't. I, I, it's strange. Are you gonna, are you're um, now going to pitch the to BBC. You want uh, a promare like. Fire, fire, fireman Sam, just for the kids. <laughs> oh, Fireman Sam, get the big mecca! There's a giant fire coming down! Is that your impersonation of Elvis? No, it's the kid that always starts the fires in Fireman oh, Sam. Oh, Ni- N- Nigel? No, no, Nigel? It's probably is it Nigel. Nigel? It's, 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 an, it's naughty something. It's, it's got, something it's, like that. It's like, Nobody wanted to buy my cake, so I decided to set fire to the bakery. <laughs> Why isn't that child in prison? In claymation the, the, prison, this this that child is clearly an arsonist in in waiting. Um, Absolutely, yeah. But anyway, um, um, but yeah, promo. Like I said, um, in short, I know I know friends that have watched this and enjoyed it. Um, I was talking about it to my my other half the other day. She really wants to see it, so it, it's kind of like I there is there is an audience. There's always there's an audience for promo, and I think for most anime films, there are the there are the audiences that will take this very very hard. And then there's audiences that will kind of go, okay, we'll move on in that yeah, sort of that, sense. And I, I, I'm definitely in that camp. I, I have no desire to. Because it's, it's, it's interesting because um, I've dipped my toes. I think I've used that expression twice in this podcast so far. Uh, I've dipped my toes Put in, on a in, in Gurren Lagann and Kill the Kill. And I do need, I did enjoy what I watched and I need to give myself time and actually have a proper marathon mm. of these shows. Um, I've got I've got the Blu-ray sets from um, all the anime mm. and they're, they're gorgeous gorgeous sets to behold um uh but with this i just yeah i just didn't take to it really didn't take to it but there's a lot of there's a lot of good going in it i think the the best the best thing about this film is the little uh traffic cone you know with the face and the little helicopter propeller on its head yeah i i I bloody love that i love that (laughs) i i i was more emotionally invested in that than any of the burnish like I don't know. Again, the burnished—they just—they felt like like bad Yu-Gi-Oh villains. Okay. Yeah, that's just no, no. I, I I take that back. They felt like bad Beyblade villains to me. Oh, oh, we're going down a peg, are yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. Only with supernatural abilities, obviously, because no one in Beyblade was able to breathe fire. As far as I'm aware, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rewatch Beyblade to to test that out. Mm. I mean, I think the thing with me, Prome, is kind of like, it's like so it's like. It, in terms of my imagination stuff like that it's kind of it, it it's very cliche for me to say this but it's kind of lit a flame in in kind of my imagination and kind of sparking kind of like stories i would like to see or stories i feel like write and stuff like that because i haven't really felt creative in a while obviously i do podcasts and stuff like that and obviously that's creative but some of the things that i i i've done for my younger years like uh film film production all that sort of stuff it's kind of it's kind of trying to find a spark it's like oh this is kind of like it's like sometimes when a when a story or just something just hits you quite right in the in the right place you kind of go all right I feel like I have a bit of energy here to kind of mm, good expand so yeah they are they are really nice pluses to promote from my side um, so in terms of star rating I would probably give this just for the experience I'd probably give it a four I'm sensing it would be a two three actually a three um, because like I said I, I I didn't take to it I didn't like this film. Um, and I think I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people will feel this way. Although obviously there is a very, as a vocal mm. fan ba- fandom that that seems to be pushing this to be. Um, I, I feel like this has been more well received than it actually is. Um, or I, I, I don't know. I may just be. <laughs> I may just be. A, I may be a minority of one. 
I may be a crazy outlier and I should shut my stupid anime-hating face for daring to voice an opinion that goes against everyone else's. And then, and then, but, uh, you, then you just put on your fireman hand. Uh, fireman Sam. Fireman hand. <laughs> fireman <laughs> No, you just, you know, I, I sense you're now just going to put on your fireman Sam helmet and just go watch CBBC for the rest of the day. I mean, I will say this. The music is great in Promar, but is there a song that's better than the Fireman Sam theme song? No. He's oh. always on the scene. Fireman Sam and his engines running clean. Fireman oh. Sam, you try, you try to do that with a promo team. There's a fire in the town. Fireman Truss doesn't really work, does it? <laughs> no. Cover them in ice. There we go. <laughs> Fireman Fuita. <laughs> no, 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 no. They, they I, I, should not I, mesh. I feel like I was. I feel like I, was I feel like I was making a great observation, and it just it just collapsed, and you know. I, 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 what were we talking about? Star ratings. Rating, yeah. So yeah. I went four, I, I, you went three. So three and I a half. Three. three and a half. Yep, that's fine with me. If you're, in, if it's you're the best of both worlds. Three and a half. Three and a half stars. There yeah. we go. And you can now watch Promare uh, on Screen Anime until the end of, uh, I think, middle or end of June. So, but it will be out on Blu-ray and DVD by the end of June as well. So you can also pre-order that from all good places. Are and, we going to talk about Neon Genesis Evangelion? Oh, you want to? You want to quickly d- dive onto that? I am so excited. It was only announced <laughs> yesterday. Because <laughs> Evangelion's a weird one for me because it took me almost 10 years to finally watch it. Because yeah. I, 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 couldn't, I struggled to get past the first couple of episodes. Mm. I, I got all the way to 26, you know, the infamous 25, 26, the episodes yeah. that, depending who you talk to, either There's they ran no out of budget. money <laughs> or it was actually a stylistic decision. Uh, but it's, the last two episodes are effectively a PowerPoint presentation. I've never seen a. If I was in a mech, the mech would go over here, and then this would happen at Nerve, and then Gendo Akai would look confused, and then we will have a flashback sequence to a school in an alternate universe, and then chairs, (laughs) and then clapping, and then da 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 da. End. Um, Yeah. So I I I forced myself for the twenty six episodes, and I there was a part of me that knew I liked this, but I wasn't enjoying it. Then I watched End of Evangelion, the movie. And within about 10, 15 minutes, it just all clicked. And I realised just how phenomenal this show was. Mm. Um, the only problem is you can't just show, you can't just give your friends the movie. You, go, go <laughs> you, watch have... it. you can't just give them Death and Rebirth and just go, go watch this. And then I'll give no, you the movie. No, no, you, 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 you have need to watch to the watch, show. You need to watch everything. And I, I know people who, who love every second of it. And mm. I do now in retrospect. Mm. But it was a real struggle for me to kind of get the series. But there, the was, that- there was greater, I think I, I have greater appreciation and understanding of the topics at hand now in, mm. in the show, having watched it now uh, last year when it came to Netflix. Um, because it, there's, there's so many different layers to the characters now that you've got to go, oh, yeah. Because it's like, it's like a lot of people just kind of complain that Shinji's just a whiny little bitch. No, but, no, but he's the fact, a far the fact more is, fascinating like, character. The fact is, this is this is a kid who has been wronged and has just been kind of put through the emotional ringer. So, understandably, he's going to be very hesitant and stuff like that. It's not it's not because he's just a whiny little run. It's like no, he has serious trauma here. <laughs> well, I've heard the series described as a group of adults fail to realize a fourteen year old suffers from PTSD, and that's why he can't go into the ghost robot. That, like. <laughs> makes, that makes more sense then. Yeah, but no, no, no I, I agree. And um, every time I've re- attempted to rewatch it, I have gained something more from it. Mm. And even just finally getting through the entire series, I, I, I feel 
I feel uh, I feel I'm glad that I've watched it. It feels like mm. it's a generally enhancing anime, uh, mm. life experience, uh, life enhancing anime. It's a, it's a seminal. It is a seminal anime show. I think. Yeah. A, I think a lot of animes now or even after Evangelion probably wouldn't be the animes they were if it wasn't for Evangelion. So whether you whether you overall like it or you overall didn't really gel to it, it it has a place. It has an absolute place in in anime history until the until the end of time. Until the end of Evangelion. Yeah, t- until the third impact. Um, <laughs> Um, but you know, it's like it's a, it's an ultimate edition coming soon from all the anime. It's going to be twenty twenty one. Knowing how well they do their ultimate editions, this is probably going to be a a buy a pre order immediately one because yeah, that's that's my plan. I, I mean, I, I I'm not a fan of. I didn't take to um, Full Metal Alchemist the original. I, I still need to watch Brotherhood, which I've been told is um, superior. Yeah, well, it follows the manga. Yeah, exactly. That's that's kind of a that's one of my. I, I still enjoyed the original Fullmetal Alchemist. I think more it's more nostalgia from my university days because hmm. after a lecture, I'd go home, I'd get like a bottle of Pepsi, a bag of Haribo. I, just... <laughs> I think you could say bottle of vodka. Uh, no, no, some really no, depressing some, story. Some, pep- some Pepsi, some what's it, some Haribo, sprawl out in the living room and just binge a disc. Like when uh, the, the original kind of MVM revelation discs on DVD, which was like 13 discs. Stuff like that. Well, the, the point I was going to say was like um, I didn't pre-order it because I wasn't interested in it. But I, I, the Full Metal Alchemist box set that they produced for Blu-ray, which I think you you own, don't you? It's yeah, up it's, there. It's, it's next to Thanos. It's it's incredible. Like the amount of work it's, that's gone into it, that. It, it, that's why I think that's why, in essence, all the anime. I know, I'm, and I'm not saying this because people I know are, who are my friends work there. I'm saying this because I'm genuine about this. I think in terms of bringing interesting diverse anime content and presenting them in sets and that you would be happy to buy and own even if you've watched just digitally and stuff like that the the work they put into it is is phenomenal i mean it's like i really want to buy the cowboy bebop set but i can't justify the money at the moment <laughs> I've, got, so I've, got, cool. I've got a standard blu-rays mm. and that's enough for me I, I, cowboy bebop is another one i i, I appreciated i didn't mm. i don't think it's as good as people think it I, actually it's, it's kind of it's kind of my complaint of primar is the fact that with cowboy bebop the characters are brilliant the the uh the animation is phenomenal the music is exceptional the story's crap <laughs> It's, it's, no, it's, it's, it's very episodic apart, apart from six seven episodes yeah like, it's, like, just, it's like the main the main story of spike is through like seven eight episodes everything else is kind of like well we're going after a bounty of the week guys da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah yeah so I'll be, again i don't know if i'm an outlier but i just i didn't take it so, do you know my, one of my favorite animes i've watched from one of their releases which is a re- I, I just bought it on a rant on a whim okay. um it's ping pong i've heard about ping pong i haven't seen it but it's so like, it's a, it has a very visceral anime style. Oh, the start, the animation is really interesting. I can't think of an anime like it, but I, I, if you were to tell me that an 11-part anime series based on competitive ping-pong mm. would be as, inf- as, as exciting as it is, uh, I, I would probably say, I don't believe you, but I will watch it and find out for myself, which I did, and I now agree with you. You are completely right, old chap. Thank you very much for recommending the anime. That's mm. exactly how that conversation would have gone. Anyway, so, uh, but um, but also, um, if you are interested in screen anime, it's three quid a month. So even if you just want to watch Promare, three quid, it's still cheaper than renting it from things like uh, Amazon or, or iTunes and, and stuff like that. And you, get, and you get 
whole Atlantis, you get three other films and an yeah. entire TV I think, series. I think you've got Penguin Highways up there as, as well at the moment. I am, yeah, I'm going to watch that next week. I'm looking forward to that. That's, I get the impression that I will like that. I just, I just know. <laughs> it's got penguins in. It's got I'm penguins. What could go wrong? <laughs> it's this, Batman Returns, and um, uh, the, the, the Pebble one. I was trying to be oh, funny. Oh, the, the Penguin and the Stone. The, the, yeah, it's, how did I not know the name of the, the film? The stone, it's got, the stone and the Penguin. It's one of the things raised. Pebble Martin, and the Penguin, Martin, isn't it? Martin Short is an adorable little penguin. Tim Curry's a big muscled penguin and angry. I mean, either way, that film is actually crap. Don't watch it. But yeah, isn't it? Um, isn't it a Don Bluth animation? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, I think it did it after Fumbelina. Yep. See, yeah. I, I see. I can pull. I can pull random bits about films from my head noggin when I can. T- slightly random tangent. I, I attempted to rewatch Anastasia with a group of friends. It was a Christmas party. Oh, we, you were there, weren't you? Yes, I was there in the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, as, um, weren't, weren't we going through some port or some wine at that stage? If we did, if we didn't drink port, we'd be very sad. Anastasia is dreadful. That film is appalling, man. It was a weird film. It's awful. It's just... Uh, I, I don't understand how people even engaged with it. But, it I mean, everything about it is just... Oh, anyway, I, I, I need to go in a moment. So yeah, we need to end, wrap up this you, episode. If, <laughs> I would say, if you want to enjoy good Don Bluth animation, you either play Dragon's Lair on your console yeah. or you watch Titan A. And I, I, I have a soft spot for Titan A because I've never seen is... it, but I am aware that you are the only person who has praised it. So oh, okay, fair enough. It's Matt Damon. Yeah. Is it animated in Matt Damon in space with Drew Barrymore, and ang- and angry Nathan Lane and Bill Pullman. What could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's talk about next episode. So, what's your film choice? I am going to pick. Uh, oddly enough, that we've been talking about Don Bluth, I'm going to pick an American Tale because oh. I have never watched it. I I have great memories of uh, the sequel, uh, Five All Goes West, because John Cleese is the baddie and there's an evil sort of snooty cat. And, he, he's, <laughs> and, I, and I, I remember when I was really young, about probably six, seven, I watched that sequel religiously because it was just... Oh. Um, but I, I, I've never properly watched the first one. So, yeah. Because it, it's, it's, um, it's Tom Bluth, it's a Steven Spielberg film, in effect. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was, a, coll- it was the, a collaboration between the two, wasn't it? Uh, yes, yes. And my understanding is the film is allegorical for the sort of the Jewish immigrant experience mm. in um, sort of like New York at yeah. the turn of the century. So that'll be that'll be really interesting to watch. Okay, um, no, cool. um, I think it dropped on Netflix last week. Cool. I shall add it to my list, and it will be ready to review next week. My film choice, um, we've briefly talked about it in, the, in, I think, maybe in a past episode, but it's going to be a brand new Netflix film, The Last Days of American Crime. It drops on Netflix on the 5th of June, Ooh. and directed by Olivia Megaton, who has done a couple of Transporters, a couple of Takens, but um, we don't talk about those. Give or take. <laughs> Give or take. Um, this is actually based on a graphic novel, and stars Edgar Ramirez, Michael Pitt, uh, Anna Brewster and Shalita Copley, um, a gang plan the heist of the century before a government broadcast signal wipes out crime forever. And it it, it looks like it looks like uh, it looks like a good action laugh. It looks it looks interesting. And I think that's why I just kind of picked it. It's like um, Edgar Ramirez, I know from films like uh, Carlos, um, which I actually did, I I briefly did meet him at the London Film Festival screen for that because he was doing Q and A, and then as people were coming out, he was sort of doing autographs and stuff like that. So really nice guy. Um, and yeah, and anything with Salito Copley is probably worth a little look, as long as it's not the old boy remake. <laughs> okay, I've avoided that like the plague. <laughs> oh, oh, you, you, want, you want scene chewing? Go see that one. How do you, how do you get old boy wrong? 
Like, especially Spike Lee. How does Spike Lee <laughs> make a bad old boy remake? I, I don't understand I, that. I don't know. But it also had Josh Brolin in as well. Yeah, again, how does that happen? Like, because when I heard, when I heard it was being remade by Spike Lee and starring Josh Brolin, I thought, oh, this would be interesting. And then mm. I saw the early reviews. And I thought, mm. and I saw it in the cinema and I kind of went, oh. Yeah, I should, I think, yeah, um, just, just, just stick to the original. And, yeah, stick, I mean, stick to the original Arrow, yeah. uh, the Arrow new box set, all that sort of stuff. I've got the Arrow box set. It's lovely. Oh, it's Aye. lovely. Uh, anyway, anyway, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Film Raw. Hope you enjoyed it. Do let us know your comments about the films we've talked about by emailing us at filmraw at bunkerzilla.co.uk. And don't forget, you can also follow Bunkerzilla on Facebook, Twitter, and on Twitch. Just look up Bunkerzilla UK on each of those platforms. And uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, we will be bringing something very special to uh, the Twitch platform very, very soon. Um, we are just trying to figure out a decent name for it first. <laughs> Because so many names are not working at the moment in my head, and I've been working on graphics for it. So hopefully in the next episode, or maybe in episode two's time, we can share more about it and how you can get involved. But until then, thank you very much for listening to Film Raw. Uh, stay safe. Uh, enjoy your films. Uh, I've been Ian Bolton, and I've been joined by Christian R. Allen. I carumba. I carumba indeed. Keep it cinematic. Stomp on, Monsters of Culture. Stomp on. <laughs>